Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life here on this Thursday, Thursday of the 14th week in Ordinary Time. I'm Josh Raymond, and this hour of The Inner Life, I'm so glad to have you along with us as we try and understand our faith better, and by understanding our faith, different aspects of our faith, it allows us to live our faith better. And what does that mean? Well, hopefully it means that we're striving to grow in holiness. We're trying to uh, fulfill what our destiny is as children of God, to know and love and serve God. We can be happy here in this life, but especially happy with him in the next life. And today, as we begin, I was thinking, you know, as a child, cartoons, at least for me, they were the best thing on television. There were other shows that I enjoyed, but Saturday mornings especially, those were prime cartoon time. Kids today, they have access to cartoons all the time. They can stream them on all kinds of different uh, uh, streaming services. Uh, There are entire cable networks that only play cartoons. So kids of this generation, they just can't relate to waiting until Saturday morning, waiting all week long to see all the cartoons that the big three networks would run each week when I was a kid. And I remember learning about some of those different voices of the cartoon characters. Now, do you remember with all of the Looney Tune characters, at least the original, uh, you know, back when those were being produced, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, all those different characters, they were all done by one man, Mel Blanc. And that, when I learned that as a kid, it kind of blew my mind. One man can make all those voices. And then kind of similarly, I discovered in the Scooby-Doo cartoons, Shaggy, Scooby's friend Shaggy, his voice was done by Casey Kasem, the same voice that I'd hear every Sunday doing the American Top 40 countdown on the radio. And I thought again, how crazy that this voice of this cartoon character is something I'm hearing and and hearing such a different delivery. But maybe the one that surprised me the most as a child was associated with the Dr. Seuss animated special of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. This was that uh, 1966 one uh, animated, like I say, ran on television, I think, basically every year around Christmas time for years and years and years. And do you know who narrated that special along with doing the voice of the Grinch? That was Boris Karloff. Now, if you don't know who Boris Karloff is, he's most famous for playing Frankenstein's monster, originally in the classic 1931 movie of Frankenstein, but then also in the sequel, The Bride of Frankenstein. 
And as a child, I was fascinated with those old monster movies. Boris Karloff, uh, he, he started many, but maybe the other really popular one, the famous one, he was in The Mummy. But some of those other monster movies from that era, The Wolfman, The Invisible Man, of course, Dracula starring Bela Lugosi. The library at my elementary school, they had these books on those classic movies. And I checked them out multiple times over and over reading about the stories, looking at those old black and white still images of the monsters taken from those movies. But of all those monsters, the one that intrigued me the most was Dracula. This man was alive, but he wasn't alive. He was powerful, but he had these powerful weaknesses as well. And then there's the gruesome part, of course, right? Dracula feeding on the blood of humans, eventually even transforming them into vampires as well. One of the most interesting takes that I ever came across with the vampire story, I remember seeing it in in a movie. This was probably over 20 years ago now. And the concept was that Judas Iscariot, the apostle who betrayed Jesus, after the betrayal, he became the original vampire. He was cursed to walk the earth in eternal death rather than eternal life. And it also gave you some insight into some of those weaknesses. Why a vampire is repulsed by anything associated with Christianity, especially the crucifix. And then the wooden stake, that goes back to the wood of the cross. And then he can't go into the light because he turned his back on Jesus, the light of the world. Then there are those 30 pieces of silver. He was paid those to betray Jesus, so that's why silver bullets can harm him. And then he drinks the blood of mortals, which never fills him. It never satisfies But he's denied the true nourishing spiritual banquet of the Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus. Now, this is all, of course, the work of someone's imagination. But I really did think it was a unique take on that vampire legend. And even though it was looking at that tragic side of imagining what might have happened in rejecting and betraying Jesus, in doing that, in looking at that that sad side of events... It also, this story had to recognize the reality, the power of the sacrifice of Jesus, the precious blood of Christ that was poured out on the cross for the entire world. It's that blood that gives life, that carries power to save, to cleanse. This month of July, it's dedicated to the most precious blood of Jesus. And so today, we want to talk about the blood of our Lord, the blood of our Savior. Why was a blood sacrifice necessary? What does the blood of Jesus mean for us, and how does it save us? And what are we saying by our actions when we receive the body and the blood, the soul and the divinity of Jesus, when we partake of the Eucharist? And I'm very glad to welcome to our program today a regular voice that you hear on Relevant Radio. His uh, daily prayer reflections are heard throughout the day here and it's Father James Kabicki. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, and he's the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. Uh, Father Jim Kabicki, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. Good to be with you during this month dedicated to the precious blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Well, and as we're going to be talking about this devotion to the precious blood of Christ— Before we dive into this specific devotion, can you just explain for us what we really mean when we talk about having any sort of devotion in the Catholic Church? 
Well, we have a, a whole series of different devotions uh, to different saints and different ways of practicing our devotion. And basically, it's it's good for us. I'm glad you asked that, Josh, because it's good for us to remember, you know, that devotion means to be devoted, to be committed. And it's not just something that we do with our heads, but we do with our hearts, our whole being, uh, especially our affective side. And so um, this is where I think it's important for us to realize that devotions play a very important role in the life of the church, and in the uh, it, sh- it should play a role in the spiritual lives of each of the the, the uh, Catholic Christians. And when we talk about devotion in in particular, I, I think there was uh, for a while. Um, before the Second Vatican Council, there was a sense that some people had that um, because the devotions were so um, beautiful and affective and they engaged the person, that they were in competition with the Eucharist. And so after the Second Vatican Council, the emphasis was on the Eucharist and that every devotion should, in one way or another, deepen our relationship with Jesus who comes to us most intimately in the Eucharist. So every devotion should, in one way or another, point us in the direction of Jesus and, in particular, his Eucharistic presence. And so uh, you could say that's the devotion of all devotions, is the uh, our Eucharistic devotion. And again, it, it means to be devoted, to be committed, not just uh, to think about, but to be engaged with our heart and with our affect, our affections as well. All right, so deepening our relationship with the Eucharist, that's kind of the litmus test then, if this devotion has any merit or any worth, you know, it's something that uh, we can look at and say, yes, this this leads us to Christ and leads us to the Eucharist. If it doesn't, then that might be kind of a warning sign. That's right, and some people might think, well, no, wait a minute, how does devotion to Padre Pio lead me to the Eucharist? And I think what's important when we think about saints' devotions we should look at it as these are people who were fed by the Eucharist, who became holy and became saints because of their uh, their own Eucharistic devotion, their own reception of the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so if we honor the saints with particular devotions and novenas and prayers in which we ask their help, what we're, we're basically doing is reminding ourselves that because of the Holy Eucharist, we're all part part of the body of Christ, and we all are connected in the body of Christ, um, and it's the Eucharist that keeps us connected. So even something that doesn't appear to be very Eucharistic points us again in that direction of the connection we have in the body of Christ. Right. No, that that's. I think that's such a good um, distinction there, that just because you don't see it immediately on the surface, it doesn't mean that it can't lead us to Christ. Um, uh, but if, if, it, if it obviously is not, then that should be something that we, we want to re-examine, well, what is this devotion and what's the purpose? Uh, along those lines, uh, before we start talking about the precious blood, is it possible, Father, to have too many devotions that we want to (laughs) find ourselves devoted to? I mean, just outside of the limitations of intellectual capacity, you know, how much we can know about multiple devotions, as well as the time necessary for those devotions, is there anything else that we should consider on that front of 
number or you know limit of of number of devotions that we might find ourselves drawn toward? Well, that's a great question as well, Josh, because you know one, I think one of the human tendencies. Um, we all have a little bit of an obsessive compulsiveness to us, uh, which can lead to almost a superstitious approach to devotions, in which we feel, well, I, I have to do this novena perfectly, or if this novena is good, um, then it would be better to add a second novena or more prayers. And St. Ignatius Loyola, in his uh, Rules for the Discernment of Spirits, says that when we have a person who is good and trying to walk the good path and be in a good relationship with Jesus, the evil spirit sometimes appears as an angel of light and tries to tempt that person to get them out of balance. And so there's um, that you know, voice in in our heads that says, well, if you really loved God, you would add this devotion, or you would do this as well as what you're already doing. And little by little, we keep adding devotions, which in the end, get us out of balance, and we end up um, leaving them all behind because they just become too much. And so I think what's important when we talk about any devotion, um, it's important that we realize there has to be a balance. And depending on our um, situation, our vocation, we we may have more time to pray if we're retired and uh, alone or in a a nursing home, perhaps. We might have less time because uh, we uh, are physically unable to pray. So we, we always have to take that dimension into account when we talk about um, our devotional life. Talking with Father James Kabicki here on The Inner Life today about devotion to the precious blood of Jesus. And I also want to open up the phone lines for your calls. Uh, 888-914-9149 is the phone number to call in. Uh, Do you have that devotion to the precious blood? And how has meditating, reflecting, on the sacrificial death of Jesus. How has that helped you to grow in love and gratitude, to be drawn into our Lord's life, uh, to, uh, that, that it really has deepened your relationship with the Eucharist? Or maybe you have a question about the precious blood and the, this devotion, 888-914-9149, or our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Father, you were on with us last month, and you were talking about uh, June being devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and we talked about that devotion. You said that uh, during that conversation, it's really uh, almost hard to look at the devotion to the Sacred Heart and not bring it into the message of Divine Mercy. And I'm thinking here, as we look at this month devoted to the precious blood, it seems pretty natural, pretty obvious that these two months, the Sacred Heart and the precious blood, uh, each one devoted to the other, um, that they would be adjacent. And can, can you really talk about one without talking about the other? You know, they just seem so naturally related. That's right, and and they're both you know very eucharistic. Uh, first of all, you know when we 
uh, have during the month of June the the feast of the the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It's preceded by the feast of Corpus Christi, or uh, where we honor the most precious body and blood of Jesus Christ. And if you think about the blood, you know it comes from the heart. Uh, the heart pumps blood throughout the body to keep it alive. And so it seems natural that uh, the month that follows the month dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus would be a month dedicated to the precious blood of Jesus. And I think both of them are very Eucharistic in, in what we, we see that very clearly in Divine Mercy uh, devotion, where we pray uh, and we offer the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ in atonement for our sins and the sins of all the world. As Jesus died on the cross to save us, shed his blood to save us and the world, so in our Mass, he makes that perfect offering of himself present to us. So we're there as though we're, we're right at the greatest act of love the world has ever known. And as members of his body, he's the head, we're the body, as St. Paul taught. As members of his body, at every Mass, we offer ourselves to, uh, with us to the Father in atonement for sins, reparation for sin, for the salvation of the world. And then we go forth and live that in our daily lives. So um, the, the reminder of the great gift we have in the precious body and blood of Jesus and, and how Jesus that to us in every Eucharist invites us then to offer ourselves with him for um, the ongoing work of salvation. Well, and this also might come back to that question of balance, you know, that we were talking about just a moment ago. Can you have too many devotions that you're trying to um, you know, uh, that you are drawn to in your life. Some of them so naturally tie in together. That might be a way that you can have multiple devotions, but you don't get out of balance, it would seem to me, Father. That's that's right. You know, I'm, we're not saying that you shouldn't have uh, multiple devotions, that if you begin to find yourself uh, becoming overwhelmed and, and thinking, uh, now i got to do this again, and if if I don't do this, then God will be angry with me. Th- that those kinds of thoughts kind of begin to show a, a sense of imbalance. It, it definitely it could be the saying, you know, don't don't worry about your devotions. You know, uh, it's okay to watch television instead of praying a rosary. Um, that can be a temptation. But I think the other temptation is for people who are really trying to serve the Lord and pray have a good relationship with Him. Uh, again, the tendency is for the evil spirit to tempt us toward more and more and more in order to uh, have us give up completely. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Father, let's pick back up on the other side of the break and talk about why during this month of that's de- devoted to the precious blood of Jesus, let's talk about why a blood sacrifice was necessary, is necessary. Um, again, talking with Father James Kabicki here on The Inner Life. And our phone number to call in and join the conversation is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Do you have that devotion to the precious blood of Jesus? Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about it. Maybe you have a question about the devotion to the precious blood. You're welcome to call in and join us, 888-914-9149. And we'll be right back after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
The Relevant Radio Studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society, not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today I'm joined by Father James Kubicki. He's a Jesuit priest and the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota, a regular contributor here on The Inner Life. And, of course, you can hear his prayer reflections daily on Relevant Radio. Today we're talking about... Uh, devotion to the precious blood of Jesus. This month of July is devoted to the precious blood of Jesus. And also inviting your phone calls. How has that devotion in your life, how has reflecting on the blood of Jesus, on that sacrificial death of Christ, how has that helped you to grow in love and gratitude for all the blessings you've received in your life, for all that God has given you? How has it helped draw you more into Adoration of Jesus in the Eucharist, 888-914-9149 is our phone number, 888-914-9149, or you can email us, innerlife@relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, uh, right before the break, I said, let's talk about why a blood sacrifice is necessary for our salvation. And I remember even years ago hearing somebody, I don't remember who pointed this out to me, but they made the... The, they drew the point that when Adam and Eve, when they originally sinned in the garden, and it says, you know, after they had both eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they all of a sudden, their eyes were open, they recognized that they were naked, and they tried to cover it up, they tried to hide, but the way they tried to cover it up was sewing together some fig leaves. But then, when God confronts them, addresses, you know, what's happened, and then casts them out from the garden... He ends up making them some clothing, but he makes clothing that's going to last much longer. But he has to do this by killing some sort of animal. It doesn't specify what, but creating it out of animal skins. And so this kind of foreshadows then this shedding of blood to kind of cover the sin. It foreshadows what God then communicates to Moses and the Israelites in the law regarding sacrifices that are needed to be offered for the sins of the nation. Can, can you kind of open this up for us, give us a little background, maybe a short history lesson on what we see begin in the Old Testament, but what ultimately is fulfilled with Christ on the cross? Sure. Um, well, throughout the Old Testament and, and in the laws that were given to the people about worship, um, there were certain dietary laws that uh, told the people they were not to eat uh, the blood of a strangled animal or to eat the meat of a strangled animal, the idea being that the blood was still in the flesh, and they were not to uh, eat food products that are made with blood. Um, and the idea was that blood was the most sacred thing there was apart from God himself, but human beings made in the image and likeness of God, it was blood that gave them life. And so blood was, uh, was life, and that's sacred. And so they were not to consume blood of animals because that was meant for God. 
And so when you then go to worship, you have the covenant being made and renewed between God and human beings, and it's sacralized, it's made sacred through the outpouring of blood. So an animal is sacrificed, the blood is then put into a bowl, and it's sprinkled on the altar, representing God, and then sprinkled on the people, saying that now we have this sacred covenant that is is uh, uh, let's say sealed in the most sacred thing there is life blood and so throughout the old testament you have this uh, awareness of of blood as sacred and as um needing to come from a sacrifice in order to um be used in the covenant and what i would add to that though uh josh is this that this sense of of sacrifice of blood being sacred is something that we see not just in Jewish religion, uh, but throughout history. There's a whole dimension of sacrifice in different religions. Um, Certainly when Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared in Mexico in the 1500s, um, she brought the people to a conversion that instead of offering human sacrifices, which they were doing, uh, to the gods that they uh, believed in, uh, she brought them Christianity, in which the one perfect sacrifice that took away all other sacrifices was was made, and that is Jesus Christ. And here, where I work, uh, among the Lakota Sioux people, um, they too have that same basic instinct of sacrifice and and of of a blood or flesh offering. And so, during this time of year, in many uh, parts of the reservation, there are different families and groups that have uh, the traditional Lakota sun dance in which uh, people um, offer their flesh. They pierce themselves or they take a, a, a little bit of flesh or, or blood and they offer that selves, themselves in that way. And the expression is that my people may live. So there's a sense of I'm offering myself, and this blood, this uh, flesh, this sacrifice is a sign of my commitment to my people, that my people may live as I offer myself myself in sacrifice and in service to them. So they don't offer themselves, you know, where they die, but there is this sense of of I'm going to offer this suffering, this uh, uh, wound, that my people may may live. And again, I think the Holy Spirit was preparing uh, people in different cultures to accept the one perfect sacrifice. So uh, with Christianity, we can say you don't have to offer your flesh in the same way that you traditionally did. You do not have to pierce your chest because Jesus was pierced for you and his heart was pierced for you. And so that perfect offering of himself replaces all others. And now St. Paul in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1 says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So we offer ourselves, um, especially with the morning offering each day, and then living that offering by going to Mass and offering ourselves with Jesus. We, we don't have to offer our blood to Jesus we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So that's that's a little bit of, I would say, a cultural history, but also the religious history of the Jewish people. The one thing more that I would add to, Josh, is this, that the Eucharist is the new Passover. And um, I'm sure our listeners remember that the Jewish Passover uh, commemorates how the Jews 
took a lamb, sacrificed it, put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their houses, and the angel of death passed by those houses, passed over those houses. And the Egyptians died, but the Jewish people were saved, the Israelites. And that's what led to their uh, leaving Egypt and coming to the promised land. So again, it was the blood of a sacrifice, the blood of a lamb. And Jesus now comes as the Lamb of God, who offers his blood um, for our salvation, for our ultimate salvation. We're saved not just from an oppression or slavery, except unless we look at it as the slavery of sin and death. That's sure. what we're saved yeah. from, but not a kind of Egyptian slavery. Well, and as you're talking about that original Passover, you know, if if you said, um, you know, if one of the Israelites were to say, I, I'm part of this community, I'm part of the Israelite people, but if they didn't sacrifice that spotless lamb, if they didn't have the blood there on the doorposts and, and the lintel of the house, if they didn't roast and eat the meat of the lamb, all these things were necessary for that protection, for the salvation of that firstborn son in each home, you know, for the angel to pass over. And that also, I think, points us back then in a very real way to why we say that the Eucharist is not merely a symbol. It's not something that we look at and say, well, this is just representative of Christ. Because if we want to have the salvation offered us, if we want to the death that should be ours, the the uh, punishment for our sins, if we want to have that punishment pass over us like those Israelites, the angel of death passed over them, we have to then rely on the sacrifice of Jesus and receive him, not just say, well, that's, yeah, I, I, still, I still identify as part of that, but I'm not going to receive it. No, it's necessary for us to receive that in the same way that all those things had to be done in that original Passover. That's right, and, you know, that's where the Eucharist uh, is seen as the, the new covenant. You know, the old covenant was the one that God made with the chosen people. Now God universalizes it with Jesus, who died for all people, and that death of his, it's not that he's dying again in the Eucharist, we don't believe that, but what he's doing is this mysterious, um, not, I, the only thing that comes to my mind is sort of time. Father, we're, we're having a, some trouble here with your connection, so I'm going to um, have us just stop for a moment here, because uh, it's hard for me to make out some of what you're saying, and I want to I make sure we don't miss any of this as you're talking about uh, Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, can you, Nick, can you just kind of check and see if we can reestablish that connection or confirm that the connection, whatever was going on there? Again, I want to open up the phones if you would like to call in and join us here today. As we're talking about devotion to the precious blood of Jesus, that's what this month of July is devoted to, uh, this month of July to the precious blood of Jesus. And our phone number here in the studio is 888-914-9149, You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Do you have that devotion to the precious blood of Jesus? And how has that devotion helped you to grow closer to Christ in the Eucharist, to recognize Christ not merely as a symbol, 
that the bread and wine truly have transformed into the body, the blood, the soul, the divinity of Jesus Christ. Uh, we'd love to hear how that has helped you on your faith journey. Again, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And how are we doing, Nick? Or do we have Father back yet? All right, still working on it. And, uh, okay, looks like we have him back. Uh, are we doing okay there? Father, are you with us again? I am with you, Josh. Right. All right, can, good. Can you hear me? Okay, well, let's pick up on, you know, you, uh, I was talking about the Holy Eucharist and how it is not Jesus dying again for us, but making present that death. So it's it's the mis- mystery of what we call when Jesus said, do this in memory of me. It's not just remember me, remember what I did, but our remembering, just as it did for the Israelites, made the Passover present. So Jesus is making his life-giving death and resurrection present to us every time we celebrate the Holy Eucharist. So, Father, you made reference to St. Paul also as we talk about the blood of Jesus. One of the things that might be good is to talk about some of the things that the blood of Jesus accomplishes in our lives. And uh, you you had referenced, you know, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. St. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, this is in the first chapter, he he talks about how Jesus brought peace into the world by the blood of his cross. And, you know, we hear these things like the blood of Christ will cleanse or it, it will save or, you know, things like this. I think a lot of these, they kind of, we might get used to the phrasing because we've heard it, especially if we've been in the church for any length of time. But if you really stop and think about it, it should be the opposite of what Paul or you know other parts of Scripture say about this. Because when this is happening by the shedding of blood, it's really by violence and hatred that led to Jesus then being crucified, to the shedding of his blood. But Paul says it brings peace to the world, where you would think that violence and hatred would really only beget more violence and hatred. That's what we see normally happen in the world around us. But through the blood of Jesus, it does the opposite. That That's right, Josh. And, you know, Pope Benedict, back in 2005 at World Youth Day, uh, in his final homily before a million young people in Germany, um, he said, you know, th- this is the great mystery that this violence is turned into the greatest act of love possible, uh, the giving of one's life. And I, I think, you know, the, the word we often use is atonement, and it's not a word that's very common. But if you break it down, it means at one meant. And in other words, that um, just as the blood in the old sacrifices was uh, sprinkled on the altar, representing God, and then sprinkled on the people, so Jesus' blood shed for the salvation of, of every human being unites and makes one the the people that he died for, the people that he saves. And so our holy communion with him, in which we receive him body, blood, soul, and divinity, uh, is another part of that at-one-ment, that we're united with him and um, reconciled. So you're right, it is this great mystery, and one could say paradox, that the, the great violence that was done to Jesus was also the greatest act of love the world has ever seen, and um, he transforms this violence into an act of love. He transforms death into life. That's 
the wording that Pope Benedict used uh, in 2005 at World Youth Day. Uh, another aspect, another one of those opposites or, you know, paradoxes regarding the blood of Jesus over and over, and this might be maybe the most common kind of used phrase or, um, I guess, image that we see, is all the references to Jesus' blood cleansing us. Um, in the book yeah. of Revelation, one of the elders around the throne uh, of the Lamb talks about there are these people that are wearing white robes, and he asks John, as he's watching this whole scene play out, he says, you know, do you know who these are? And John says, no, you, you would know. I don't know. Who are they? And he then goes on to explain that these are people who have persevered in their faith, and it says they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And again, we get so used to hearing this idea you know, washing, the, the, the blood of Christ washes us or cleanses us. But having a nosebleed, you know, I remember as a young child, I woke up in the middle of the night and there was some blood from a nosebleed on my pillowcase and that pillowcase didn't get washed correctly and this stain set in. So there was always this dark spot, this blotch that's on that pillowcase for the rest of the years that we would use it. And anybody who, you know, thinks about blood getting on a garment it would have the opposite effect of what we then hear in regards to the blood of Christ. You know, that this, these people in heaven have this brilliant white uh, clothing. It's just at odds w with what we would normally expect when blood comes into contact with clothing. That is so true, Josh. You know, it, it really is because blood stains. And yet with uh, the blood of Jesus, it takes away the stain of sin and it, it cleanses. So, um, you know, and, the, you know, the imagery in, in Revelation is, is so beautiful of talking that, you know, these are the saints. The saints are the people who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, and we're washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. So you're right, it, and perhaps these kinds of paradoxes are, are meant to, um, if we really think about them, make us reflect um, more deeply on these mysteries of our faith. And of course, you know, we're talking about white garments here in Revelation, but really those times, those different passages that are talking about that, like you say, it's taking away that stain of original sin. It's cleansing our soul, you know, so that that's the part there that uh, I, I want to reemphasize of what you just said. It It's not just simply a clothing, uh, you know, fact and, and ending there. But of course, we talk about the blood of Christ washing away those sins, cleansing us, cleansing our souls. I uh, also want to welcome your phone calls in. Uh, we need to take another break, but if you'd like to join the conversation as we talk about this month of July being devoted to the precious blood of Jesus, and how have you grown in your devotion to the precious blood? How have you been able to grow more in love with our Lord in the Eucharist by time spent reflecting and meditating upon the blood that was poured out for you, for all of us, so that we can have the hope of salvation, the hope of, of heaven. Uh, talking with Father Jim Kabicki today here on The Inner Life, and our phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Back in just a moment here, you're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank Adam, who's listening in Pennsylvania, for donating his Toyota. 
Join in with thousands of other listeners to donate your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, joined by our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, a Jesuit priest, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota, talking today about the precious blood of Jesus, devotion that we have to the precious blood, welcoming your phone calls at 888-914-9149. Father, we've talked a lot about... Uh, what Scripture says, you know, we have some background on the history of the old in the Old Testament and the fulfillment of what we see there of sacrifice being fulfilled then in Jesus's death. Um, how do we take all of that? And of course, there's so much more that we could go into. I mean, you know, we we have this mere hour that we're talking about it, but how do we take what we have gone through and so much more that we could go through and enter into this devotion? What are some ways that we can then uh, express this devotion, that we can pray this devotion here during this month devoted to the precious blood? Well, I I think, uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, you know, every devotion should lead us to uh, a deeper uh, devotion to the Holy Eucharist should lead us to Jesus. And so uh, just a simple thing that I really recommend to people is as, as we're approaching um, the Eucharist to receive our Lord, uh, just to make that act of faith, Lord, I believe you are truly present body and blood here in the Eucharist. Because some people um, forget that we believe the host itself contains the blood of Jesus. So it's the entire Jesus. And so that's why receiving from the cup is not uh, necessary. We do receive Jesus, uh, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the host. So making that act of faith before we we go to Holy Communion. But specifically during this month of uh, July, um, there are a number of different prayers. You can probably look up on the Internet, Precious Blood of Jesus Devotion, and you'll come across all kinds of different prayers. Um, but the, there's a chaplet of, of the precious blood. But the, the prayer that I think is, is um, there's two prayers that I'd like to mention. One is the litany of the precious blood, which goes through different descriptions of the blood of Christ. So it says, you know, blood of Christ that spilled to the ground, blood of Christ that flowed at the scourging. All of this can help us be more aware of that great act of love, how Jesus shed his blood for us. And the response to each of those in the litany is, be our salvation. And I like the fact that it says, be our salvation, recognizing that we're in this together, that uh, we're saved um, uh, part of a community of the body of Christ. Humanity uh, died for all of us. And so the, the litany of his blood is quite beautiful. There's a prayer that I pray uh, every morning, and um, it's, it's um, a prayer to the precious blood. It, it goes uh, like this. It's really very simple, and it's a prayer for, for abandoned 
soul in hey father i am so sorry to interrupt you but again we're having yes. some sort of connection issue here with you so uh i'm, I'm going to let nick just double check and make sure that everything uh resolves with that here but really quickly want to also mention again with that litany of the most precious blood if you'd like to find that, we have that actually on the Relevant Radio app, so that's easy to find. You uh, can open the app. On the upper right corner, you'll see the Pray little button that you can push there, and it will open up. It'll give you some different options. If you go to under Devotions, you'll find the Litany of the Most Precious. You'll, you'll find a lot of litanies there, but the Litany of the Most Precious Blood is there under that Devotions category, again, on the Relevant Radio app. If you haven't downloaded the app, it is... Uh, absolutely free. You can find it in your mobile devices app store, and there's so many good resources on there. Of course, a uh, great way to be able to stream live shows on Relevant Radio, but then also go back and listen to the podcasts. Uh, so let's uh, try again. Father, are you there? Oh, we're still uh, having some trouble there. Um, right now, while we are waiting for Father Jim Kabicki, let's go to the phones. A uh, number of you who have called in. Anita is listening in Las Vegas. Hi, Anita. Welcome to The Inner Life. So glad to have you calling in here today. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. You were taking, uh, Father was talking rather about the violence of the crucifixion. And yes, it was violent, the sacrifice of the blood. But I. It brings me back to why was he crucified? And it was, yes, he had his purpose to save our sins. But the reason it all came about was out of fear, fear of the Pharisees, fear of everyone who thought he was going to take over. Uh, it was fear, and he constantly said, fear not, fear not, fear not. And there's one thing I would... I would always add in, uh, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I would add the word still. They still don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and uh, it, it just goes to prove that even in the Garden of Paradise, as you were speaking about, God, after he kicked them out of paradise, had to help them make clothing because they didn't know how to do anything. So he's always been there, and he's always said, fear not, I'm with you. But there, that fear is something that will lead us to do things that as maybe we shouldn't do, but the divine nature understands what it's all about. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, Anita, yeah, thanks so much for the call, and I really appreciate what you said as far as the, the line, forgive them for they know not what they do, and, you know, that they... that. Uh, most of us still don't know what we do. That's why we persist in our sin. I remember reading that from uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen years ago, where he said, "It's actually a good thing we don't we we don't realize what we're doing. If we realized what we do when we sin, then it would be so horrific. It would be so egregious. And that's one of the reasons that we can have that mercy, uh, kind of unlike the angels." that they have such full knowledge of what they do when they make a decision, when they uh, say, I'm going to go against God. And that's why Lucifer and all the rest of the demons, the fallen angels, that they were cast out from heaven. Father Kabicki, looks like we have you back. Welcome back. Glad to have you here again. We'll try one more time. And uh, Father, you were going to share uh, a prayer that you pray each morning uh, to the precious blood. Yeah, it's a, a short little prayer. I found this actually in the Magnificat uh, magazine some years back, and it goes like this. O oh Lord God Almighty, 
I pray thee by the precious blood which thy divine Son, Jesus, shed in the garden, deliver the souls in purgatory, and especially that soul among them all, which is most destitute of spiritual aid. Um, that I love that prayer because it, it focuses on one moment where Jesus was shedding his blood, where he sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, and to remind ourselves that it, it wasn't just on the cross that he shed his blood. He, he shed his blood even eight days after he was born at the circumcision. And to apply that blood to the souls in purgatory, and especially the one that is most forgotten, most destitute of spiritual aid. In other words, someone who has no one to pray for them. And so I like to think that as I pray that prayer for that most abandoned soul, uh, that soul is going to be remembering me uh, with spiritual help uh, as that soul is released from purgatory. Well, and as you're talking about that, too, you know, the blood that was shed at different points by Jesus, I I forget who it was, but one of the saints said something along the lines of Christ didn't have to necessarily go to the cross. He went to the cross out of obedience, but just one drop of his precious blood would have been enough to redeem the entire world. That's right. That's that's one of the traditions that we have, that uh, that just even one drop of the precious blood of the Son of God would have been able to redeem the world, but he shed it all. And so there's a sense that he didn't hold back anything. And, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas and other saints will ask, well, why did Jesus suffer and sacrifice himself in that way? And it was, you know, basically that this would be the most convincing sign to the world that God loves us, that God loves us enough to suffer and die for us. Well, and, you know, with that that focus on Jesus and his blood, you know, the, the everything that we're talking about here, it really helps us kind of be focused, be prepared for heaven. You know, it seems that this devotion, it gets us away from being centered on the goal of living merely for today, living only for the pleasures of this life right here and now, but really gets us centered on that goal of living for heaven, living for the kingdom of God. Yes, and I, I think that's so important because the temptation is is very much to forget about death and the fact that we do not have forever on this earth and that our life will continue beyond this life. There's an afterlife. And, and to be prepared to um, to go to the kingdom of heaven that God has prepared for us and made possible for us because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father James Kabicki, our spiritual director here. And Father, we're down to about one minute left, um, but wanted to give a little extra time here as we wrap up our conversation today. Could I ask you to offer a prayer and a blessing for all of our listeners as uh, we conclude this hour of talking about the precious blood of our Savior? I'm happy to do so. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this hour that we've had. Uh, We thank you for getting us back connected here by phone. We thank you for this precious blood of your Son, Jesus, that was shed to bring us life and to save us from sin. As we honor his blood during this month of July, we ask you, Father, to help us to grow in a deeper devotion and love for your Son. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, descend upon all our listeners and our families and friends. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. 
Amen. Thanks so much, Father Jim. Always great to talk with you. Thank you, especially to Nick Sentovich and Maggie Greshel for their help today. Uh, want to encourage you to download the podcast if you joined us late, if you didn't hear the entire hour. Podcast will be posted here shortly at relevantradio.com, or you can find it on the Relevant Radio app. And I'll remind you once again that litany of the most precious blood of Jesus. You can find that on the Relevant Radio app, too. Just go to the Pray section. You'll see that button in the upper right-hand corner. And then go to Devotions. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.